Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about wound healing in cancer with Dr. Henry Shaw. Dr. Shaw is an associate professor of surgery and plastic surgery at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology. So, Henry, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and what it is exactly that you do. I'm a plastic surgeon, and I run the wound program here. And so what that entails is that I uh, see patients with uh, wounds that are challenging for, for any reason, you know, that might not be healing on its own. And the reasons for the wound uh, can be uh, any sort of reason, whether it's a uh, wound after surgery, um, that is uh, from cancer treatment, um, or uh, other causes like pressure sores, uh, diabetic foot ulcers. And, uh, and the wound can be located anywhere in the body. Um, and it could be in any age uh, or, you know, population of folks. I, as a plastic surgeon, I'm very comfortable seeing uh, a wound uh, in anywhere on the body for any reason, as well as in any, you know, age group, uh, you know, from one-day-old babies up to 101-year-old uh, patients. So let's talk a little bit about wounds, specifically in the kind of group of cancer patients. Um, when we think about surgery, it's it's frequently a modality used to treat cancer patients. Are wounds particularly more difficult uh, in cancer patients? Are there things about cancer that make wounds more difficult to heal? Yes, uh, it, it can because, uh, you know, uh, and this is what I tell every patient that comes to see me uh, in the clinic, and that is that, you know, taking care of a wound is a lot more like a gardening project than it is a home repair project. Uh, project. You know, you're not just trying to seal a hole in the wall. You're trying to get something to grow. And just as gardeners have no easy way to make a plant grow, right? Uh, they can't just force them to bloom or bear fruit when we want them to. We really aren't able to force a wound to heal in a body, uh, whether it's from surgery or for some other reason. And, you know, in, in the case of cancer, you know, as you can might imagine, um, there are a lot of other uh, things going on. You know, the, the tumor itself is competing with the body for nutrients uh, and resources that are important that your body needs to get a wound to heal. And then there are various treatments, like, you know, whether it's medications like chemotherapy or uh, radiation that, you know, can actively inhibit uh, the body's ability to heal the wound. And so how do you manage that? I mean, when you think about the fact that cancer, as you say, can compete um, for, for resources, right? It can compete for uh, blood supply. It can compete for nutrients, which your body needs to heal. And yet the cancer, if there's cancer in that same vicinity, it can actively inhibit wound healing. So are there tips and tricks that you use that are in your armamentarium that help these wounds to heal? Uh, well, um, I would say that I, I, you know, I, I don't typically take the approach that I learned during my surgical training, right? Where you, 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 um, you know, you 
um, I guess, you know, you try to t- tackle a problem head on. Um, you know, if, if there is a, a tumor, you take it out. If, if there is a, a stab wound, you try to, you know, uh, stop the bleeding. Um, instead, I, I try to kind of like the way a gardener, you know, a gardener can't make a plant grow just by directly pulling on it, right? You, you try to uh, understand the circumstances that, that plant or garden is in and, and see what you can do to modify it or, or to you know, to somehow tweak it. And so I try a, a very similar approach. And so with patients, uh, you know, the very first time they meet me, one of the first things I do is I, I try to, you know, in a, an efficient matter, but go through a, a whole series of questions about, you know, whether they have comorbidities like diabetes or smoking that might also be problematic for healing, uh, whether um, they're eating adequately to start with, right? Um, and also to understand their social situation. You know, it, uh, I've found that patients who live on their own um, can find it particularly challenging to get a wound to heal because they, they have to do everything themselves. They don't have any support to, to get rest. Um, and, and then um, with in the case of cancer patients, I, I try to pay attention to what uh, what they're, you know, what kind of therapies they're getting or, or what they're anticipating. Are they going to, are, have they gotten radiation? Or are they going to need it in the future and how soon? And in, in that sense, I, I try to work collaboratively with, uh, you know, all the other caregivers uh, to try to, you know, hopefully help, you know, help the patient here in terms of the healing um, and, 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 and trying to balance on the one hand, right, obviously the priority is to get the cancer treated, but to do it in a way so that it will uh, set them up in the best way to recover and, and heal in an optimal fashion. So you mentioned uh, several things there um, that I think we can dive into a little bit more. So one is nutrition. And we know that for some cancer patients, that can be really difficult, especially for patients who may have cancers in the oropharynx um, or or in the, the stomach region where getting enough nutrition is really difficult. So what advice do you have for these patients? I mean, it is. Many patients, I'm sure, ask you, well, doc, you know, what should I be eating? Should I be taking more supplements? Should I be, should I be eating more protein? Um, you know, what do you think about supplemental drinks like Ensure? I mean, are those, tell us a bit more about how you might optimize people's nutrition and, and whether in fact that has a real impact in terms of wound healing. Yeah, so I, I, you know, try to meet the patient where they are, right? Um, you know, and um, just as with kids, right? Even though they're, you know, with children, you, you want them to get a well balanced diet, but um, especially in this day and age, certainly I'm this way as a parent. I, I don't force my children, you know, to eat like if they don't like spinach, I don't force them to eat spinach. But I, I try to find another way for them to get the same vitamins that they might get in spinach. And, and so similarly with patients, um, I, I try to do my best to understand their situation. Um, you know, if something like Ensure works in helping them to get more protein, then I certainly encourage that. If they don't like Ensure, if they like, you know, they like uh, carnation, carnation instant breakfast, then great. Um, if they don't like any of those things, and I, you know, I, I really try to, you know, let them understand, you know, what, you know, like, the priorities are so you know protein as you, you mentioned protein and that is very uh important i try to you know, let have the patient understand that protein provides the building blocks that the body uses to heal a wound and so whatever foods that can provide that protein whether it's meat uh or um or beans or uh or cheese or, or nuts you know um or, or something like ensure I, I tell them the important thing is to get the protein how they get it 
matters less to me than the fact that they're getting it. And I take the, try to take the same approach with all the other, the vitamins and calories. I, I, I ask them to, you know, not just to, you know, to eat only potato chips, right, obviously, but to try to be as balanced as they can. But they, they need to get in something. Um, you know, I, I know, especially in cancer, right, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times appetite is suppressed, right? And so if, if that's a real issue, I try to work with the other caregivers to find, a, to find some way to stimulate that appetite. Sometimes it's just a matter of finding the right foods, right? So I, I work I work with the family to see what uh, what can be done to somehow uh, make, you know, the n- nutrition as, as, you know, something that's not like a, feels like a prison sentence to the patient, but something that they, you know, they really want to have. Yeah. And the dietitians can likely help in that process as well, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. So, you know, we try to uh, work with, uh, you know, smile centers, dietitians and try to communicate with them to, you know, you know, um, usually they're already well plugged in by the time the patients come to see me, they're usually well plugged into the Smilo uh, support network. But right, I make sure, you know, I just confirm that they already have spoken to a dietitian and, you know, are, uh, or, you know, uh, working towards that goal of, you know, whatever calorie goal or, or protein goal that that dietitian has given them. You know, the the other thing that you mentioned, um, which is prevalent for many cancer survivors, is is smoking. And, and that's because smoking really leads to a number of cancers. But at the same time, smoking can be really uh, bad in terms of wound healing. So can you talk to us a little bit more about um, the effect that smoking has on wound healing and kind of what you do about that. I mean, is it possible to get people to quit smoking? And if they quit, does that really impact their wound healing if they've been smoking for 20 years? Or, you know, is the cat kind of already out of the bag and it really doesn't make any difference if they quit now? Well, yeah, unlike a tumor pathology, uh, smoking does have an immediate effect on healing. Um, uh, and, And you don't need a whole lot in terms of um, the exposure to slow healing. I, I like to tell patients that um, in, in um, like for certain other types of like cosmetic procedures, like facelifts, um, many plastic surgeons are very hesitant to operate on someone who even smokes a, like one puff of a cigarette, you know, every six months, because even that small amount of exposure, uh, at least empirically, we find that leads to a higher rate of healing problems after uh, a cosmetic surgery and, and also can affect uh, uh, scarring outcomes, you know, in terms of the appearance, right, which is so important. So I, I take that knowledge and in terms of my co- counseling cancer patients that um, that quitting smoking now, right, will immediately improve their ability to heal. I've certainly seen that um, with my own patients. And and I, and I actually consider myself relatively fortunate compared to, say, our primary care colleagues who, you know, who will be oftentimes, you know, preaching the same message that, you know, that quitting smoking is good for your health. But in, in my instance, all the patients are coming to me with a concrete problem, right? They have this wound that isn't healing. So it's not an abstract problem that, um, that you know, that where some of my other colleagues may be working with. For, for me, I, I have a, this concrete problem that it's very concrete and tangible to the patients. And so even if they, you know, the patients say that they've been smoking for 20 years, they find it very hard to quit. I, I don't try to, you know, make it sound I'm judging them for not quitting. I'm just giving them information. And uh, you'd be surprised, Anissa, how often, um, actually more often than I would have predicted that many patients actually quit, or at least in the time that they're following with me, to, just long enough to get their wound to heal. What about other uh, social habits? So 
you know, alcohol can increase your risk of a number of cancers. Does that have an impact on wound healing? Well, there, uh, there's not a whole lot of science in terms of the direct impact of, of alcohol in terms of the biology of healing. I, I, uh, I think it's more just in terms of the impact on judgment, right? So someone who's had a few drinks probably may not make the best decisions in terms of uh, doing things like, like elevating a, a leg, right? Um, that, which is very important for healing. And so, um, I, I, I personally don't tell patients that they can't drink at all. Right. But I, I tell them, you know, they, you know, like, use common sense, right. You, you certainly don't want to be getting drunk, um, every night. And that keeps you from, you know, following all the good habits you need in order to make sure you recover, whether it's getting a wound to heal or getting, you know, uh, better from your, your, your cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And one final thing that uh, is a risk factor for cancers is exposure to sunlight and tanning salons. We know that that increases the risk of melanoma. Is there an impact um, of radiation in that way, uh, sunlight, um, getting out in the sun, going to tanning salons on wound healing? Well, I think... um it's right. It's not as clear cut in terms of whether sunlight has a, a direct harmful or beneficial effect, right? As as you know, you know, sunlight does kill bacteria, right? So exposing a wound to sunlight uh, can help with uh, decreasing bacterial overgrowth, which can become problematic in in uh, in a wound. Uh, on the other hand, though, leaving it open to the sun um, can also cause a wound to dry out, which is not good for healing either. Uh, and, and in this case, I again compare wounds to plants too, where that just like plants, wounds need some moisture. Uh, they don't like too much moisture, just like plants don't like to be overwatered, but they do need some moisture. So keeping it covered and not getting exposed to sun will keep it from drying out. I think where uh, sun, where it's much more clear in terms of what the effect of sunlight has is on the healed wound. So like on scars, right? So uh, sunlight does tend to make uh, scars much more prominent um, after the wound is healed. And so I do recommend in patients who have, who have successfully healed the wounds to really be mindful of how much direct sun exposure that area is getting because by minimizing sun exposure, it'll make it easier for that scar to fade over time and, and be less bothersome. Also, just and de definitely avoiding sunburn because sunburn can uh, really make a, a scar much more likely to get chapped and, and break down again in the future. Yeah. So use that sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> but for right now, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute. But please stay tuned to learn more about wound healing and cancer with my guest, Dr. Henry Shaw. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from Smilo Cancer Hospital. Hosting a Smilo Shares Cancer Survivors Series June 22nd and 29th. Register at YaleCancerCenter.org or email canceranswers at yale.edu. Genetic testing can be useful for people with certain types of cancer that seem to run in their families. Genetic counseling is a process that includes collecting a detailed personal and family history, a risk assessment, and a discussion of genetic testing options. Only about 5 to 10% of all cancers are inherited, and genetic testing is not recommended for everyone. Individuals who have a personal and or family history that includes cancer at unusually early ages, multiple relatives on the same side of the family with the same cancer, more than one diagnosis of cancer in the same individual, rare cancers, or family history of a known altered cancer predisposing gene could be candidates for genetic testing. Resources for genetic counseling and testing are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, 
such as Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. I'm Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Henry Shaw. We're talking about wound healing and cancer. And Henry, right before the break, we were talking about a number of things that you kind of think about um, in terms of helping cancer patients get their wounds to heal. And one of the things that you mentioned was sleep. And that's something that I think a lot of patients might not really think about uh, in terms of wound healing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, uh, you know, I I admit there isn't a whole lot of studies specific to uh, wound research uh, about the impact of sleep. But I, I, you know, there's certainly definitely evidence that, you know, if you don't get enough rest, right, um, and that impacts your, your overall body's physiology, then that definitely has a a negative impact on your body's ability to heal. I often see um, the the wound as sort of the canary in the coal mine about uh, a potential issue, right? If a wound is not healing, then then there's that's a sense that there's something not quite right with the the balance of the body in terms of either amount of rest it's getting or or some other aspect of it. So uh, I definitely, you know, tell patients not to push themselves, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of like common sense uh, after you're recovering from cancer or surgery. But, you know, many, many patients, right, you know, uh, understandably take this, you know, view they, they want to get back to normal life as quickly as possible, which I certainly sympathize with. And I, I certainly don't like whenever I feel limited for whatever reason. But I, I try to get them to understand that, you know, that they need to pace themselves, right? And that includes making sure they get plenty of rest, plenty of sleep. Um, you know, if they really want to get back to where they were before. And the other thing that you mentioned was having a social support, um, you know, making sure that that people were around to, to help you out with things. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and also about living conditions? You had mentioned that um, sometimes that really plays a role in terms of the resources around you to help you to take care of a wound, whether those are people resources or physical resources in terms of your living environment. Yes. I, actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, up, Anise, because that is an area where there hasn't been a lot of research done. And, and that's something that um, I've been working with my uh, uh, fellow uh, uh, clinicians at, at the wound clinic to trying to better understand, establish the impact uh, of the patient's uh, social situation or living circumstance on their ability to heal. And it's, it's particularly true for patients who completely live on their own and have, you know, no um, outside, you know, contacts whatsoever, you know, people who are checking out, uh, in on them other than maybe perhaps the visiting nurses. And so, um, and then that's where I, I feel uh, fortunate that, you know, with, uh, you know, as being, being part of the Smilo, uh, you know, network that, um, that there are these resources that, you know, many of our patients can turn to, whether it's in terms of free care or other uh, support mechanisms that, that could help uh, them, you know, heal better, you know, provide whatever they might need in order to feel like they have that support. Talk a little bit about, you know, when I'm thinking about the the population who get bre- cancer, I, I was about to say breast cancer because that's my area of expertise, but any cancer. The thing is that it doesn't discriminate. 
Um, it can affect very wealthy people. It can affect very poor people. It can affect the person living in a mansion in Greenwich. It can affect somebody who is homeless in New Haven. So talk to us about um, how you tailor your recommendations um, to people in different circumstances, because clearly that would make a difference in terms of how they're able to follow through on the recommendations that you have in terms of wound healing. Uh, no, you're absolutely right, Anise. And I admit that's one of the greatest challenges uh, we face in our wound program, um, you know, because many of the dressings that we prefer that, you know, are, um, um, that might help optimize that, uh, that, that balance between moisture and not, but without too much moisture, right? There, there are uh, specialized dressings that are very good at doing that, but they're they're much more expensive. And uh, while they are covered by insurance, uh, you know, sometimes, right? As you mentioned, there, you know, if someone's homeless. Uh, a lot of times, they probably don't have that insurance. And and even with the folks who do have insurance, there's a limit to what will be covered by uh, in terms of supplies. And, and so that can be very, very uh, difficult to, to tackle. And so, and so what we, you know, again, it, I guess sort of <laughs> similar uh, approach, you know, like in terms of what, what I mentioned with nutrition and other aspects, you know, try not to do a one size fits all approach, but instead trying to meet the patient where they are. So, um, and it, you know, with, um, if uh, a patient is having difficult, you know, because of the insurance limiting, you know, that certain dressing, then I'm willing to work with a different type of dressing that, you know, uh, may, you know, will be cheaper and, and might be more coverable, but hopefully will accomplish the same thing. Maybe they just need to change it a little more frequently or have a little more attention in order to have the same effect. Um, in, in the worst case scenario, like in someone who absolutely has no resources whatsoever, like they're homeless, they have, don't have a home, they can't get any supplies, then uh, we do have them come to our wound clinic for their uh, wound changes. I admit it's something that can be challenging from a logistics standpoint because we are very busy, but we'll, we'll um, you know, we fortunately have a very dedicated uh, wound nursing staff and they will set up wound nurse visits to, you know, at, at, at least in the short term to make sure they get that care while, you know, we work with the hospital to figure out a good social support system. So that they can get that care at home or wherever they happen to be staying. Yeah. In terms of specialized things for wounds, some of the things that you might uh, have patients ask you about, and certainly things that are popular in the lay media, are things like hyperbaric oxygen. Can you talk a little bit about that and its value or, or lack thereof in terms of wound healing? Well, so, you know, full disclaimer, our, our wound program doesn't have a, a hyperbaric uh, chamber with, uh, in our New Haven cl uh, clinic. And that's, you know, more for these uh, logistical and space reasons, which is, you know, too long and boring to go into. But we do have chambers at our sister uh, wound clinics in Greenwich, uh, Bridgeport, uh, Lawrence Memorial. And, um, and the literature does support, you know, does say that it has a, an adjunct role um, in, in specific circumstances. So, for instance, uh, diabetic uh, foot wounds, um, uh, wounds that are due to radiation um, or, or if there's osteomyelitis involved. So, uh, at least literature is fairly strong in, in supporting those. Uh, and, um, and so, when I have patients who are, you know, fit those circumstances and, and if they 
you know, geographically, if it's convenient for them to go to one of our sister programs, and I, I will refer them down there to be evaluated to see if they will be uh, eligible for that. Um, but I mean, it is a controversial area because uh, certainly, you know, not every wound responds to hyperbaric oxygen, uh, no matter how well they seem to fit the criteria. And um, and I, I admit, I've been able to get wounds to heal without hyperbaric oxygen that might otherwise, you know, fill that. And I think where hyperbaric oxygen um, is helpful is that it, I think it can help speed up the process um, uh, in certain patients. Um, but it, it is challenging to figure out exactly who will respond to that. What about um, certain types of complementary or alternative therapies? That's often something that many patients are really interested in, whether it's, you know, a potion or a salve, or whether it's a cocktail of vitamins and supplements. Tell us a little bit more about the science behind any of those and wound healing. Right. Um, well, I guess you can say in, in general and broad terms, there isn't a whole lot of uh, science among many of these uh, treatments that are at least touted, right, that are, uh, um, uh, you know, kind of the equivalent of miracle, miracle, <laughs> miracle growth for, for your wound, right? And, and so uh, the way I, I talk to patients about uh, just as, you know, they're uh, in gardening, right? And I guess I, I do lean heavily on the gardening analogy, just as in gardening, you know, there is no... Um, uh, substitute for the basics in terms of making sure your your garden can thrive, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what uh, special fertilizer you use, you, you're not going to get your garden to thrive unless you have the basics in terms of sunlight, the right soil, um, you know, the right amount of water, uh, the right environment, right? I, I say the same thing. Um, you know, I, I do uh, counsel caution and try if it's something like some kind of, you know, as you mentioned, a potion, because uh, many things that like supplements that are, you know, touted as natural, right? Um, uh, and, and by implication are supposedly beneficial or good for you. I, I do mention that, you know, there are many natural substances that actually can inhibit healing, just like the way steroids as uh, drugs, which are, you know, uh, uh, come in natural forms as well as synthetic forms, they, they can slow healing. So too can many of these um, uh, so-called natural uh, sub additives and substances in many of these uh um, treatments that are, are available out there. So I, I, um, again, I, I, you know, I try not to be a, a, a pro, you know, I try not to uh, completely prohibit things, right? I tell patients that, you know, if, um, you know, I ask them to, to communicate with me, to share with me, you know, if they know what's in it, to let me know first before they try something. Um, and I'll do my best to look at it. And, and if there's nothing, you know, there, if there's nothing in there that's obviously harmful, right? If it's just, a, you know, several different vitamins and, and, and things that I don't, where I don't see a clear red flag that might be harmful in terms of healing, then I'll, I'll, I, sh I generally let, you know, I work, I work with the patients to, you know, especially if it makes them feel better. But um, yeah, I do, I do, tend to counsel caution. I tell them to be very careful and be very, you know, very careful about what they hear about in ads out there. And then there's the whole issue of a cancer treatment. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about wounds and, and people generally speaking, think about wounds after surgery, but many patients require other treatments such as chemotherapy or radiation, which if you already have a wound that's not healing, might inhibit that wound from healing even further. So can you talk a little bit about how you kind of do this dance um, between 
getting a wound to heal before giving a therapy that might inhibit wound healing versus delaying really important cancer treatment because you've got a wound that's not healing. Yeah, so I think this is where communication with your fellow providers is extremely important. So I, I try to, again, I, I don't try to um, be the oncologist, right? I'm not treating the cancer itself. So I don't consider myself an expert in that. Uh, and so I, I do my best to uh, communicate directly to educate myself in terms of, uh, you know, how, how severe is this uh, tumor? If, um, you know, obviously, that's always a priority. So if it's something that needs to be treated right away, then um, then uh, the wound healing considerations become secondary. Um, but if, if there is something about the biology of the tumor that allows a delay, then, um, then of course, then, uh, then I'll, I'll do my best to try to set up all the circumstances, you know, in terms of nutrition, you know, counseling the patient to, uh, or sometimes, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon, so sometimes I will, uh, you know, try to do a, a, a direct revision and, and closure of the wound um, if, if it feels that, you know, we can get that healed in a, a fast enough, short enough period of time to allow that patient to get that therapy sooner rather than later. Dr. Henry Shaw is an associate professor of surgery and plastic surgery at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.